This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 27. Real baseball is here. Yeah, if we weren't for the rain. Recorded on April 7th, 2016. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast with your hosts, me, Matt Lyons, and Jason Lucart. Jason, how are you? I'm good. We've uh, Every week we've been doing this, we've been looking forward to having real baseball games, and uh, despite the weather screwing around with us a bit, we, we've had some actual baseball games, so uh, I'm, I'm happy to have baseball back, happy to have watched the Indians win a game. It's, uh, it's one of the best times of the year. Yeah, we were we were all excited to have a podcast right after a game. We could come sit down after watching one and talk about it, and then nothing because of rain. <laughs> and like, what about today? It's not going to get any better. I know you're in Chicago, and the Indians are going to Chicago next, and it's yeah, not supposed to be I, any better. Uh, I'm going. Well, I'm, I'm, I've got tickets on Sunday, and I mm-hmm. I chose the Sunday game for two reasons. One, when I bought tickets a few days ago, it had by far the best weather forecast. It was supposed <laughs> to be like high fifties and dry, uh, which is not bad at all. And then also to see Corey Kluber pitch. And now today's rain out means Corey Kluber won't be pitching on Sunday. Uh, and the weather forecast is now like low 40s with a high chance of rain. So <laughs> to the weathermen of Chicago for getting things way wrong three days ago. <laughs> Saturday's supposed to be really nice. So maybe just kind of sneak in there with the ticket and hope somebody notices. I don't know. Garbage day <laughs> three days ago. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So like you said, um, we had... I figure we'll just give our thoughts on kind of general both games and we'll go game by game. But I sure. think we saw kind of each end of what the Indians could be this season with both games. In the first game, it was kind of a dead offense for three-fourths of it. And then in the second one, just came alive out of nowhere. I don't think we'll see that many shootouts. But what are your just general overall thoughts on the first two games that we've seen so far from the Indians? Uh, Corey Kluber and Carlos Carrasco are going to be better. Um you know, two and zero would be better than one and one, and it's no fun watching two, you know, hypothetically Cy Young candidate type pitchers. Neither of them do particularly well, uh, but I'm not concerned about either one of them. So, uh, in terms of what went wrong, uh, the main thing is something that does not bother me. So that's good. Uh, in terms of what went well, uh, the, you know, the runs they scored in the second game were good. Uh, the first game was. You know, sort of a worst case all around. Kluber didn't look especially sharp. Uh, Trevor Bauer's first bullpen appearance of the season did not go well. And the offense did almost nothing. So the first game was pretty depressing. Uh, You know, having to wait an extra day for for the opener and then getting that game uh, was not a lot of fun. Uh, But the second game, uh, you know, things went a lot better. It was an exciting game. Uh, my main man, Carlos Santana, hitting the, the big home run. Mike Napoli winning over some new fans with his big home run. I mean, the second game, other than wanting Carrasco to do better, uh, you know, it was, it was a fantastic game to watch. How about you? What are your early impressions from, from 18 innings of baseball? Yeah, like you said, I don't think we're going to see uh, – neither pitcher is going to be that bad. The amount of mood swings on Twitter has been crazy over the last couple of days. Yes, or two days ago, it was Indians are the worst team ever. What happened? And yesterday, it was I love the Indians again. They're awesome. Look at Mike Napoli, so great. Um, we'll go into more specifics, but the main thing I like so far is Napoli and Santana going back to back, which I wrote about today. Is that I just love the way that whole dynamic works. 
there's a chance that everybody's going to hate both of them if they don't end up hitting a bunch of home runs, but they're going to absorb so many pitches. And like we saw last night, there's going to be times when Napoli walks and then Carlos Santana drills everybody home. So that'll be nice. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you're talking about taking pitches, uh, you know, obviously it's way, way early in the season. Uh, and, and I don't know how long it takes for pitches per plate appearance to set in. Uh, but Lindor had some really nice at bats yesterday in terms of uh, you know working counts and being patient. He didn't pick up any hits, uh, but he did draw a walk, and I just felt like he was he was putting up good at bats even if the end results you know weren't what we're looking for. Um, I think it's interesting, and I know it's a lot of it has to do with David Price, uh, a, a great lefty on opening day. It's interesting to see you know, the lineups looked pretty different from one day to the next, not only in terms of a couple of the starters, but uh, even just the order some of the guys were in. So it'll be interesting to see if there continues to be, you know, if, if that's the lefty and the righty lineup, um, or if Frank Kona right now is still just kind of playing around with things. Yeah, just sticking to the opening day game. I mean, I don't think that could have been set up any worse for the Indians, going up against the left-hander and also a left-hander named David Price. I mean, I don't think that lineup's going to be great against anybody. And I would hope that Rajai Davis doesn't lead off for too long of the year, but I don't. I can't expect that Frank Cohen is going to see that game against David Price in the opener and say, "All right, this lineup just doesn't work." But yeah, I would like absolutely. To not see and you know, Chisenhall should be back. You know, after the weekend, and Brantley hopefully back like a week after him, and so the two of them returning will obviously change the lineup. Uh, I'm with you on Davis not leading off. I'd be fine with Terry Francona deciding one game was enough to make him decide that's not the right spot for him. Uh, yeah, but like you said, David Price is not your normal opponent. He was, you may recall, my Cy Young pick for the American League this year. Uh, and I think, you know, you don't want to see the team pick up five hits and only score two runs on opening day. Uh, but it's one game. The fans who freak out over the one game, I think, are mostly fans who aren't going to pay attention to most of the 162 games anyway. Uh, because if you do... It's, it's much easier for you not to get bent out of shape about any one of them, even if it happens to be the first one chronologically. Yeah, I can see that. They're going to be the ones that, no matter what happens by the end of April, they'll get bored in NBA playoffs and then eventually basket or football towards the end of the season. But yeah, that first game, I think there was a little bit of almost a legitimate freakout because how bad Davis, Bird, and Cowgill all did. Because <laughs> Cowgill and Bird just looked bad at the plate and combined they were 0 for... I think nine with eight strikeouts. But I mean, again, it's one game, but the three of them did not look good. And I don't think Chisenhall, he probably shouldn't play that much against left-handers. But at we'll the very see. least, it'll allow uh, Bird or I mean, Cal like out of there. His platoon split hasn't been as extreme. Uh, I feel like... Really? I, yeah, I'm pretty sure. If you look up the numbers, I feel like there was a stretch where he was terrible against lefties. Uh, and then I'm... I could be completely wrong. Someone listening can look this up and call me on it. I feel like in, in 2014, the split was way different uh, and was not that extreme. And same thing last year. I mean, he's not a good hitter against lefties. Um, I think the big thing to see with Chisenhall is uh, I, I just don't know if we're supposed to, to buy into what his defense looked like at the end of last year. Uh, I mean, the advanced metrics were in love with it. Uh, and, you know, I think he passed the eye test with flying colors, too. If he keeps playing that kind of defense, uh, I don't think any of the other outfield options are a big enough boost 
uh, batting against lefties to you know be worth a huge downgrade. Not that he's going to start against every lefty, but I don't think he needs to be strictly platooned. I, I'm fine with him playing against you know half the lefties or something like that if he's you know sort of the version of him we're hoping for. I'm, I'm not completely convinced Chisenhall's not going to come back and by Memorial Day we're all thinking, oh gosh, we got to find a right fielder. So where's that cutoff with uh, Chisenhall's defense? You think can he be? If he's winds up being below average, does he still get a lot of playing time, or does he need to be that like superstar defender we saw at the end of last year in order to keep playing, especially against lefties? Which I think you're right. There was some time into 2014 where he's good. He's all kinds of streaky. He's good, bad things, good at bad things, good at the other. <laughs> Just a streaky hitter. But where do you think that that line's going to be? Can he be terrible on defense and still get a lot of playing time, or? I don't think so. I, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, if you look at his career numbers, you know, he's he's pretty close to a league average hitter. Uh, and in the corner outfield spot, a league average hitter who's, you know, a league average defender isn't much of a player. Uh, if he's a below average defender, uh, I think right field's a real problem for the Indians. Uh, and then, you know, the flip side is if he doesn't even have to be as good as the metrics thought he was those last two months, if he's even half that good defensively, uh, you know, then a, a league average bat is plenty good enough. And without him, I don't know <laughs> what's going to happen there. I don't want to see Calgill out there anymore than he has to be in Bird. Who knows? Davis, that whole thing's going to be... They'll have to call it Clint Frazier then, right? It's the only choice. They have to do it. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, you're right. If Chisenhall, you know, if, if sort of the... the I don't know what analogy I'm looking for, but if his defense from last year isn't what we see this year and his bat is what it looked like for most of last year, uh, then right field is, is the biggest weakest, uh, you know, the biggest weakness in the lineup or on the roster. Uh, and you're right. I don't know that there's a whole lot to be done about it until closer to the trade deadline when if they're in contention, you know, someone's got a good right fielder and doesn't need them and the Indians can make a move. Um, but if, if it's not Chisenhall, I think we might be wincing when we watch right field for a good chunk of the year. Yep. And we all thought, Going into the offseason, that was going to be center field, but all of a sudden, Aquin came out of nowhere, and all of a sudden, center field is exciting, <laughs> which is nice. It remains to be seen if it's productive, but at least for the first few weeks, excitement will be enough to carry it through, and, and hopefully he does what he was doing in spring training. Oh, I'm perfectly okay with excitement for the first couple weeks. <laughs> That's well, all I want. That's it. We talked about before, you know, if Naquin turns out to be, you know, he's not, I don't think he's going to be a star, but if he's a solid player and Brantley comes back and he's back to his old self, while right field could end up being a huge weakness, that doesn't mean the lineup or even you know the, the outfield collectively is going to be a huge weakness. I think you know every fan tends to focus more on their own team's weaknesses than other teams' weaknesses, and you o- sort of overlook the fact that you know the Royals and the Tigers and the White Sox and the Twins all have problems too, and so if if right field's a problem, that's not ideal, but it's not like it's a, a deal breaker on the season either. So speaking of not ideal problems, there's Trevor Bauer in the bullpen. <laughs> he had one appearance in this game, and I mean again, it's one game, but and again six batters in total, he walked one and allowed a home run to David Ortiz, which we just never heard the end of. <laughs> it's David Ortiz's first opening day and he home run or homered over and over. Um but yeah, he came in the ninth inning. He did not look good, and then he was out almost immediately. He did feel finish the inning, but what do you think of his? He's still got plenty of time. But what do you think of his first outing in the bullpen? There, what does it mean? Uh, 
yeah, I mean, it, it's sort of exactly what you didn't want in terms of him walking a, a guy and giving up a huge home run. Uh, you know, in, in terms of what it means, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean anything, uh, but I think, you know, putting him into that role, which, well, I know he spent some time in the bullpen last year in terms of starting the season there, I think is a very new situation for him. Um, and so, you know, partially you just, you want things to go well, just so he doesn't get down on himself being in that situation or feel frustrated and you know, potentially he's, you know, feeling like that's not the right spot for him to begin with. And then he's angry that, you know, if it's not going well. Uh, so if nothing else, I'd love to have seen him get off to a better start just so he gets into a comfort level in that role. Since for the time being, that's the role he's going to have. Uh, so, I mean, I, I hope, you know, Francona gives him, you know, more innings this weekend and, you know, chances to kind of put that first outing behind him, uh, you know, so he's not dwelling on it longer than he, you know, needs to. Yeah, I'm sure he will. I don't think it'll be long before he gets a couple innings in there. I got to say, though, you know, for me, in terms of bullpen stuff on opening day, the worst thing wasn't Trevor Bauer giving up a home run. It was Joba Chamberlain <laughs> pitching for the Indians. So for me, he didn't do too that bad after his opening day. Did you cheer just a little bit when he allowed a walk? Tiny <laughs> little internal cheer. <laughs> At that point, I was pretty confident the Indians weren't going to win. Although, I don't know. I mean, they were only down two runs. They obviously could have. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, when Chamberlain comes in with the lead, I'm certainly going to want him to hold on to the lead. Uh, when he came in behind, I was sort of like, eh, if he wants to just get shelled and lose <laughs> Francona's confidence right from the start and let that be the end of it, uh, I, I wouldn't have shed any tears but instead he pitched a shutout inning we're at this point i have to accept that i'm gonna see more of him there uh and we'll see if i can learn to uh grow fond of him or not <laughs> maybe not grow fond of but accept <laughs> if i can grow tolerant of him or not <laughs> there you go so the next game which was a lot more fun was the indians winning seven to six um Mostly on a big first inning, where I think they scored four runs on a Santana home run that scored Napoli and was it Lindor? I think I don't know, but two home runs, big home runs. It was a fun game to watch. Did you get a chance to watch that one? Uh, yeah, some of it, not all of it. Um, my real world life interfered with it a bit, um, but I got to watch a pretty good chunk of it. Um, I uh, especially got to watch the terrible happening when the Indians. Uh, blew the lead and got to watch every Indians fan who was already bummed out about opening day uh, jump further off the ship. Uh, but then they got to come back and win, which is which is fun. You know, the end result, winning a seven six game that you were losing at the end of the day is a great result. Um, that six inning was was a bummer when it was happening. Uh, but I feel like I mean that would have been a great game to watch. You know, a lot of highs, a lot of lows, big dramatic emotional swings. I would have been losing my mind when Santana hit the home run, and would have been screaming at people who I imagined were Santana haters. Uh, it was great to see Napoli hit the home run too. Uh, each of them drew a walk, which I look forward to both of them drawing a lot of unexciting to most people, but thrilling to me based on balls. Um, yeah, I mean, almost you know, again, Carlos Carrasco. I didn't think looked bad. Um, you know, the home runs obviously are the worst thing a pitcher can do. And Carrasco gave up a couple of them. And to say, if you ignore those two home runs is obviously a stupid thing to say, you can't just ignore two home runs. 
Um, you know, but but he did. I thought look sharper uh, than Kluber did, um, and I'm not concerned about him at all. I, you know, by the end of April, the fact that he gave up four runs in his first start, I don't think anyone's going to remember. Yeah, I actually thought Kluber looked a little sharper, but I mean, that's just eye test, I guess. I don't know. I thought Kluber just kind of kind of hurt on a couple pitches that were still close, but I didn't feel like Carrasco was. Well, and I Twice. and I will say again, you know, real life getting in the way. I couldn't watch almost any of the first game live, so um, I watched highlights, or I guess we'd say lowlights um, of of Kluber's stuff, and then I watched, you know, kind of extended on MLB TV. MLB TV watched a little bit more of it, um, but I didn't see, you know, most of his uh, appearances, and the ones I did see tended to be the ones that Boston was hitting harder. Um, so I've probably a skewed sense of it. But really, my point is just I thought Carrasco looked mostly pretty good um, in spite of two home runs. Yeah, uh, and, you know, we'll see. The The bullpen has gotten a decent amount of, of work since neither starter looked particularly sharp or lasted particularly deep into the game. Um, you know, kind of a mixed bag there. Uh, Cody Allen looked awesome, though, so that's it was nice to see him get his season off to a good start. Yeah, and um, the thing with both Carrasco and Kluber, I don't think either of them looked bad, that bad at all. It's just second, third time through the order, the Red Sox are a great lineup and eventually got to him, I think. Um, so nothing, obviously, to worry about. It's one start each. Even if they were terrible, who cares? It's the first start. But the most interesting, interesting thing to me about that game was the lineup. Both the fact... Just the way it was constructed, Lindor one, Jose Ramirez two, Kipnis three, Napoli, Santana, Gomes, Bird, and was it Uribe, and then I think Naquin? Yeah. I like that lineup a lot. And I like Jose Ramirez in left field. Any way that he can get on the field, I'm all for this year. I don't know if he'll start the same position more than a couple of days in a row. He's going to be everywhere, but I think Francona's got to find a way to get him in every day or pretty close to it. And just in general, I think that's a good lineup the way he has it set there. Yeah, I mean, until... Once Brantley's back, I don't like Ramirez that high in the lineup. Oh, okay. um, but while we're waiting for Brantley to return, I think yesterday's lineup was a good one. Uh, you know, I'm not surprised Naquin's at the bottom. That's kind of a, a normal place to put a rookie early on, you know, low pressure. Um, you know, if he hits anything like he hit in spring training, then, you know, he could he could hit his way into a more significant spot in the order, which would be cool. Uh, but, yeah, for, for the – for the players they have on the roster right now and where those guys are at, I agree. I think yesterday's lineup, uh, you know, was a pretty solid one. Yeah, and the obvious place, I think, for Brantley is, what, three and move Kipnis up to do two and bump Ramirez down below, probably Gomes, maybe? Yeah, and, you know, and Brantley, comes back. Brantley three, bumping Kipnis up, and then I don't know whether Kipnis stays at two um, or if they go back to last year and have Kipnis leading off uh, with Lindor batting second. Uh, you know, I could see either of those... Uh, you know, Lindor bat, bat it, hit third on opening day when Davis let off. Um, so, so far, we've had Kipnis, uh, you know, second and third, not leading off. Uh, but again, once Brantley's back, I think Lindor and Kipnis one way or the other in front of him, and then Napoli and Santana behind him. Um, you know, at that point, again, the lineup to me, it doesn't get talked about nearly as much as the, the starting rotation, understandably, but I really think that's a, a pretty decent lineup. Yeah, starting one to maybe down almost to seven. It's not anybody that's terrible. And I mean, I'm not calling Tyler Naquin terrible, but he's a rookie, so you don't know. But other than that, it's all people you know what they're going to do. And as long as Napoli and Santana are back-to-back, I'm going to be happy. I'm excited to watch that all year, and I think that's going to be good for anybody who's behind them, really. 
is going to benefit from that maybe a little bit is both from driving up pitch counts and like we saw in that first game where Napoli worked an 11 pitch at bat and then the scoring just opened up from there. I think that'll be a common sight later down the line. Hopefully that'd be nice. How are you uh, feeling about your, your Roberto Perez watch at this point? Any, any concerns <laughs> that he's, uh, <laughs> he's not going to live up to your hype? <laughs> it's only two games. Gomes, I mean, he has, he has, he looks pretty bad. I think it's time to take him out. I think it's time we, we try it out. We just get Roberto Perez in there. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure he'll get some time. He that was my that was my on a limb prediction. Games. He'll play this weekend. Yeah, sometime. And then he'll just play so well that Francona can't deny starting him every game. And then I will <laughs> look like a genius with my out on a limb pick. I don't think this week any of our other picks got ruined yet. Quite yet. No, my I can't remember pick- if I picked anything about Joba Chamberlain or not. But in terms of actual picks, unless I said something silly about him, I think you're right. Yeah, you said that he wouldn't get any innings. <laughs> which I mean that's already done and then my Brantley one where I would say he was going to be back opening day that's already wrong yeah so you're right you're, you're I mean you're wrong we were we've both already been proven wrong <laughs> well I mean we, we mentioned that last week I meant more than that Cardinals pick for World Series isn't looking great right now but you could have picked the Padres who are still <laughs> looking for their first run of the season they Did they still not score I haven't looked today yeah they uh they, well, I don't know if they played today yet or if they played today, but they became the first team in Major League history to get shut out in each of their first three games of the season. It's pretty crazy when you're looking at well over 100 years of Major League history and something has never happened and then it happens. Yeah, <laughs> and especially when it's something like that. And for what it's worth, the Dodgers, they were one inning away, I think. They were at 32, 31-32. And then the Giants broke it open and scored a couple. But they almost made the record for the most um, innings. I think it's the start of season without allowing a run. Right. They almost, yeah, they were one or two innings shy of the record for most shutout innings to begin a season. And then they gave up 12 runs in like the four innings that followed. <laughs> so that got snapped really, really hard. But they tried anyway. And unfortunately, I'm pretty sure that's what the rotation is going to be behind their first couple guys all year for them. And I picked them yeah, to win the West. Be, so. It'll be an interesting division out there. The uh, again, uh, you know, when we talked about our predictions, I don't buy into the Diamondbacks much, uh, but I think you know the the Dodgers and, and Giants will be uh, heatedly competing all season long. Getting off track a little bit, but um, who was it? Somebody on the Diamondbacks said that it was the media's fault that for hyping up Zach Greinke's start and then he didn't do well, and it's it's just all the media's fault. We ruined everything complaining about it and i i don't you know i don't know i can't recall now what he exactly said but he said something along those lines that i remember reading the quote and thinking like this guy does not seem like he's got the makeup to be a successful major league manager he's annoyed that the media is talking about his team it's like i don't know where you've been uh, but, but the media is going to talk about your Major League Baseball team. And they weren't saying anything bad. They were hyping it up. They were excited for the season. And then they didn't do good. Yeah. And now it's just their fault. So, yeah. Any other thoughts on the first two games? No. I mean, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, one and one against the Red Sox is fine. Um, you know, I, I wish we had three games right now. But the flip side is that today's rainout comes after the win. So it's an extra day of basking in the afterglow of an exciting win. There you go. Uh, but, you know, it's only two games. We'll, we'll have a week from now when every pitcher's made their first start and Kluber and Carrasco have gotten another chance and Carlos Santana's hit two or three more home runs. Uh, there'll be more to talk about then. 
Yep. And for what it's worth, I don't think the Indians are making up this game until like August. They said was the maybe date. There's also an opening in May where they could do it, but it's not going to be for a while because I don't think the Indians play Boston again, at least in Cleveland. Right. Yeah. I mean, they've, I've, I've got to think there's a common day off somewhere where they'll, it, they'll be able to fit in without two. And it'll just be one of those weird, like, oh, yeah, they got to make up that game, which is always fun. Except for then, like David Price, it'll be his turn to pitch again, and then we'll all be griping <laughs> about them basically having to have faced him twice in one series and how baseball's unfair to Cleveland and all that stuff. It's good times. <laughs> so we're going to look ahead. The next series, like I said, it's going to be in Chicago with terrible weather. But, hey, you make it to go to a game. <laughs> But they're playing the White Sox, who have looked... I think they won two... They won the first two games against Oakland. They lost one. And I, last I saw, they were winning tonight. So they haven't looked too bad. As we're speaking. Are they winning right now? I think they 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 won earlier today. They already played. Oh, okay. So yeah, the last I saw, they were winning. So they must have won. They, they're um, <laughs> You got Todd Frazier, who everybody was kind of angry about that the Indians didn't trade for. But apparently what the Reds wanted was insane. So the White Sox can have them. Uh, what are you looking forward to in this next series against the White Sox with the Indians? Uh, I think the the Indians have the best rotation, uh, you know, in the American League. I think, and I think there's a pretty good argument that the White Sox have the second best rotation. Um, so, you know, in in terms of the team strength, it's starting pitching against starting pitching. Uh, the, the the cancellations or postponements we've had because of rain kind of mix up the rotations a little bit. Like I said, Kluber was supposed to go uh, on Sunday and obviously could still go on Sunday. Um, but Francona has decided just to push everyone back. So I think Friday is going to be uh, Salazar for the Indians uh, and John Danks for the White Sox. John Danks, not one of their better pitchers. I like that matchup for the Indians. <laughs> In theory, that's uh, an advantage for the Indians. Uh, and then Saturday's game, we get to see Cody Anderson with his new velocity. Uh, but that is not an advantage for the Indians because Chris Sale will be making his second start of the season for the White Sox. Um, but I, I, pitching is my favorite thing about baseball. Uh, and so Chris Sale, I, and the Indians have actually had pretty good success against him uh, you know, relative to other teams. Uh, but you know, anytime you're facing sale, I think going into the game, that's sort of, uh, you know, not ideal. Uh, and then Sunday, I'm trying to think, well, you know, we'll see Josh Tomlin. Uh, I'm trying to think who the White Sox fifth starter is right now, or I guess not their fifth starter. I don't think Quintana, their second starter is coming back yet for Sunday. Um, so I'm drawing a blank on which one of their pitchers I haven't think of. Maybe Quintana is coming back. I guess if sales coming back, there's no reason Quintana wouldn't. Um, So I guess two of the three matchups, that's going to be a really good lefty going for the White Sox. So coming off David Price and saying, oh, you're not facing David Price every game. Well, they are going to face two of the other, you know, best six or seven lefties in the American League, uh, including Sale, who, you know, you could argue has been the best pitcher in the American League the last few years. So it'll be a tough series for the Indians in terms of uh, really good pitching to face on Saturday and Sunday. So they should score a bunch of runs tomorrow. Yep. Hope I'm just hoping they play tomorrow in the next couple days. And for what it's worth going for every tiny little advantage we can get, the White Sox are coming back from the West Coast tonight, and they're playing in a day game tomorrow. So we'll just hope they're exhausted and Danny Salazar can wipe them all out. And the good news is that after this series, it's going to be Lonnie Chistenhall is going to be eligible to come back. I don't know if he actually will. He didn't get to do his rehab start today. But our outfield nightmare might be over after this series. They just have to get through, like he said, a bunch of lefties, and then it'll be on the Tampa Bay. Yeah, so I mean, I think mostly I'm just hoping the games happen without right. long delays. Uh, 
ahead of or in the middle of the games because we've been rained out twice already and we're excited to have baseball back. I just want to get them to play. Um, and yeah, you know, it'll be, it'll be a couple tough pitchers Saturday and Sunday. Um, you know, but the Indians can can win a low scoring game. Uh, you know, their pitchers are capable of doing the same thing. And frankly, Chris Sale could give up ten runs. Who knows? You never know with baseball. Uh, but I think in terms of something to watch for, it's having to face two more really good lefties. Uh, you know, a few days after facing Price. So it's kind of, you know, for, for what the Indians have been the last few years offensively, uh, facing three of probably, you know, like I said, the six or seven best lefties in the American League during the first week is not ideal. Um, but, you know, let's, we'll, we'll see what they've got. I'm, I'm hoping, imagining that the Twitter hype is going to be unreal if they beat Chris Sale, <laughs> beat a lefty like that. If they lose, it's just going to be everybody saying, oh, it's the same old Indians, they lost. They're terrible, but... <laughs> I don't think it's going to look pretty in the series just because of all the lefties, but do you have anything else about the White Sox? No, I mean, you know, they had, we talked a little bit about them last week, their off season where they, you know, sort of made a lot of moves, uh, a little higher profile than the Indians moves, but not huge moves. Uh, I, I, I don't feel like they've got the firepower to keep up with the rest of the division. Um, but, you know, Jose Abreu hit a home run today. He's, he's their best hitter, uh, you know, and someone to, to be cautious with. In, the, in a lineup that doesn't have a ton of guys that scare you. Um, they're obviously without Adam and Drake LaRoche, so that's clearly a big plus for the Indians, since Drake especially was a big leader on the White Sox last year. <laughs> I was just going to mention that. I was hoping you'd remember. At least the Indians, you know, don't have to face Drake LaRoche's leadership this weekend. <laughs> That'd be terrifying. Okay, so since we're in the first week of the season... Uh, when I asked for Twitter and Facebook questions, we got a whole bunch. So we just set aside a bunch of times we're going to answer. I have six of them. We have a few from Twitter, a few from Facebook. So the first one from 3.30 and 5.13 on Twitter. He asks, who's going to start a game first, Bauer or Clevenger? Um, hmm, good question. Uh, I, I'll i say Bauer just because he's already on the roster. Um, and I think, you know, as, as, as well as Clevenger pitched last year, um, I think, you know, the front office is going to want to see him do well, uh, you know, for at least a moderately extended period this year before they bring him up, given that they have Bauer on the roster. Um, I guess the flip side is I feel like the longer it is before either one of them starts, the better Clevenger's chances of being first, both because if he's doing well, he'll avoid more time to establish himself and the longer it is, the more time Bauer has spent, well, spent in the bullpen, uh, you know, making it harder for him to readjust to the rotation. So I think if it happens in April or May, uh, it's Bauer. And if it happens, you know, after that, then Clevenger's got a much better chance. Um, but for, for better or for worse, I think Bauer uh, will get a chance to start somewhere between now and the end of May. Yeah, that would have been my answer, too. I think just looking at the series of steps that each have to go through to get into the lineup, Bowers is just go from bullpen to starter. That's it. I don't think either of them are going to win the position anytime soon. It's going to be Josh Tomlin and Cody Anderson are going to have to all of a sudden get really terrible, um, which, I mean, isn't completely out of the question over the next couple months. But they're going to have to just really regress, and then one of – I think it'll be Bowers that just slides in. Although I do like your point about if it takes longer – uh, later in the year, we are. It might be. It raises the odds for Clevenger as long as he plays well. Yeah. So, what, so I mean, again, I think it, a lot of it comes down to is just how soon is a six guy needed. 
Uh, and I think if you studied, you know, if you went through every team, every season, you know, you'd find that by a pretty comfortable margin, the majority of teams have used a six starting pitcher by Memorial Day, in which case I think it's Bauer. Would it be Bauer, do you think? Or would they... Well, no, I guess they would have cleared the roster spot. But I was thinking, if they're going to bring somebody up this for one spot, do they bring up TJ House to do it instead of Clevenger? Because I would think if they're going to bring Clevenger up, aren't they going to do it knowing he's going to have a few starts? And then if it's going to be just a Sorry. six pitcher as needed? Because I don't know how much you want to bounce around Bauer. Because I think it would be the same with him, too. If you're going to make him in the starting rotation, you want him to stick there. I don't know how they would bounce him around a whole lot. So I guess I'd almost even say there's a chance that House could be the first one to start before either of them if there's just a spot start needed somewhere. But in terms of who's going to be a long-time start starter first, you do? Did they do that with Zach McAllister last year? Uh, I, I don't recall off the top of my head. Just out of the bullpen for a single start? I don't know why. I'm sure it's happened. It just seems weird to me for some reason. But I guess it's not that huge of a deal. It'd just be weird with timing with the bullpen and everything. But yeah, I think either way we both agree it's going to be Bauer unless something crazy happens or it takes forever for one of them to take the spot. So the next question is from Matt Schlichting, who's actually a writer on Let's Go Tribe. He asks, if the Indians could play in any park, which would suit their playing style best? So my simple oh, answer man. to this uh, whichever um, helps pitchers. <laughs> it's like Petco Park, PNC Park, that kind of thing. That's my whole answer. Just whichever park is better for pitchers right now with this lineup. Petco is you know, a good pitcher's park and they have good pitching. But I like... but. If you have good pitching, do you want to be in a good pitcher's park, or does that mean you can sur- you're, you've got a better chance of surviving in a hitter's park that boosts your offense? Um, I guess with the Indians' rotation, because I mean Kluber and Salazar, I don't think you're going to have to worry about worry about them either way. But like Carrasco, Bauer, Tomlin, they give up a lot of home runs, so I think I'd rather be in a bigger park. I mean, I guess Carrasco strikes out a ton of people too, but the weaker parts of the Indians' rotation, like the Bauer and Tomlin and Anderson, they give up more home runs, so I'd want that big, wide-open field, especially if Brantley comes back and he's healthy and he, Naquin, and Chisenhall can cover the field. I think I'd rather go for a huge park. Are you saying you'd rather go for one closer to the middle or more of a hitter's park? Well, I mean, Indians pitchers allow fewer balls in play than other teams' pitchers, so I think on that level, a smaller park, they're not giving up. I mean, I know what you mean. They have a couple home run-prone pitchers, but collectively... Uh, you know, they have the most strikeouts of any staff in baseball. So I feel like, you know, a, a smaller, you know, a better hitter's park, uh, you know, can boost the offense a little bit more relative to other teams' offenses than it's going to hurt uh, the team's pitchers. I think I'd be tempted to go for, for yeah, for a better offensive park. Yeah. But, um, so think about it this way, I guess. Do What am I trying to say here? So the Indians' offense... When they're doing well, they're not hitting a ton of home runs anyway, right? So, I mean, right. I guess if they're going to yes. be... I'd rather have them at a pitcher's park. So, if they're going to do well, they're just going to be slapping bases over anywhere anyway. So, I don't even know if a hitter's park would help them all that much. That's where I'm coming from with it. Well, I think partially it comes down to there are hitter's parks that favor home runs, and there are hitter's parks that favor hitting without necessarily favoring home runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say maybe Kaufman, Kansas City is, like, not a great home run park, but it's like a good hitting park. And it's one of those like, it's sort of counterintuitive. Um, 
and not having like park factors in front of me, I don't feel totally confident in any of what I'm saying here. Um, and I, I, I see what you're saying. The other thing I wonder, I don't, the Indians are not a home run hitting team. What I wonder is, are they not a home run hitting team because they don't have the bleep and 30 home run or 40 home run hitter that everyone wants them to have? Like, are their third through ninth biggest home run hitters lesser home run hitters than other teams' third through ninth hitters? Or is it just that their top couple home run hitters aren't as good as other teams? And I, I don't know the answer to the question, uh, but I wonder if you look beyond the absence of one big, you know, Chris Davis, Giancarlo Stanton type home run hitter. I wonder how different their lineup really does look compared to, you know, a typical lineup. Yeah, that'd be an interesting way to look at it. Like, take out, so what would you do? Take out each team top, each team's top home run hitter and average out the rest and see where the Indians come in? Yeah, okay. I mean, I, I just feel like, in theory, they might, you know, their, most of their lineup might hit home runs at a, a very typical rate. Um, it's just that no one ever hits 30 or even 25, um, you know, so they don't feel like a home run hitting team. I don't know. It'd be an interesting thing to look into uh, when we're not <laughs> trying to talk our way through it. So maybe <laughs> over the weekend we can look into it and have a better answer for it next week. Yeah. And either way, I don't think we're going to put them in Coors Field. <laughs> I wouldn't want any team in there. Agreed. I don't want to watch. I like pitching too much to want to watch the Indians in Coors. <laughs> okay. So next question is from John Stebbins. He asks, or more like tells, Napoli versus Urshela discuss. <laughs> so I guess we'll go with, um, we'll just kind of make our own question here. Who's going to have the better potential out of the two, I guess? Who has a better future on the Indians? That kind of thing. Uh, let's see. Well, I mean, I think... Oh, Napoli. I was thinking Naquin. It's Napoli and Urshela, so... Yeah, yeah. that's a really like weird two players to compare. <laughs> um, in terms of who I think is going to help the team more this year... Uh, Napoli, uh, in terms of who I think's going to help the team more beyond this year, uh, I'm not completely sold that either of them will. Uh, in terms of who would win if they got in a fight, I think I'd take Napoli. I've seen video of him pretty drunk on the street. He looks like he could brawl. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to answer because I'm not sure quite what angle on the two of them they're looking for. Yeah. We discussed him. That's that's what he wanted. <laughs> you can't <laughs> fault us for that. Uh, yeah, like you said, I think Napoli this year, Urshela, I still don't even think he's going to be a huge contributor in the future. But I guess more than Napoli, because Napoli's going to be gone after this year, no matter what. So by default, Urshela in the future. And then Logan Andrus asks, can you make the weather stop? Yes, I can, but I don't want to. Can you make the weather stop, Jason? You probably had the power. You... You made the Wine Uribe signing happen. I figured weather might be something you could do, and that this week you just had stuff going on with the kids and were busy, and so you needed to delay stuff. That, that's uh, I personally cannot control the weather, much as I have tried. Of all of the X-Men whose powers I don't have, I really don't have storms. <laughs> yeah, the Dolans, they were going to get like maybe you an assessment this is off-season, but I convinced them to buy me a weather machine instead, so they did, so... <laughs> I could control it. I just haven't stopped it. But your kid's birthday, beautiful be sunny day now. Well, it depends. I don't know. Do I really want to go outside and all that for a birthday? I can just make it rain and we could have it inside. You obviously, um, unlike me, have not spent much time with two dozen children in one room, or you would definitely be voting for outside. <laughs> we'll see. She's only going to be three. So, I mean, there won't be that many kids. She doesn't know anybody yet. 
You're right. Please At that point, it's more of an adult party. Right. <laughs> so the next question is from David Bottomer on Facebook. He asked, if Brantley and Chisholm Hall come back on the same day, who leaves? For some reason, I was really confused. And for, was a, for a second, I was thinking one of them had to leave. <laughs> if Brantley um, and Chisholm Hall go in a cage match, who leaves alive? <laughs> I was like, oh, man, what? what's going on? That They can't both come back. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of, I mean, the, the weakness and the, I mean, obviously the outfield is going to lose some guys. Uh, and I guess there's a little time for guys to potentially play their way on or off. Um, I think Cowgill is the first guy to go. I think it's almost impossible that he's going to stay on the roster once both of them are back. Uh, beyond that, I mean, it gets trickier. I would like to say that one of the 37 relief pitchers goes. But you know that's not um, You know, R- Roberto Perez isn't going anywhere. Uh, none of the infielders are going anywhere. So you're either looking at a relief pitcher or Marlon Bird or Tyler Naquin. Uh, I don't think they put Naquin on the roster for opening day to send him down, you know, 10 games into the season unless he's really struggled in those 10 games. Um, so I guess I'd say a reliever, but I am certainly not confident enough saying which reliever is going to get sent down. Yeah, that's basically where I am. I think it's going to be really interesting to see. It's going to take a lot of playing out over the next couple of weeks. I also don't think they're going to come back at the same time. Chisholm Hall sounds like he'll have no problem coming back at the beginning of the Rays series. Right, Tuesday. And Yeah, and Brantley, we're still hearing the same thing, that he needs to be able to come back and bounce back quicker. So I think when Chisholm Hall comes back, it's going to be Colin Calgill, no problem. That's easy. And then eventually, whenever Brantley comes back, I guess Bird, unless somebody in the bullpen looks really bad or somebody on the bullpen looks expendable, like the rest of the bullpen has been good enough and we haven't needed 1,700 guys. We know by now Francona prefers the bigger bullpen, (laughs) uh, which I guess we'll put Marlon Bird next on the chopping block uh, or the demotion block. Uh, or with the whatever they have to do with Marlon Bird block, uh, unless well, Naquin has just looked completely overmatched in his first 10 games. Yeah. Or maybe they realize that Jan Gomes, they don't need him because Roberto Perez is so good, they can just have him play every day. So they just like cut Gomes. They don't need him because I'm going to be right. <laughs> I sound like I hate Gomes. I love Gomes, but I just want to be yeah. <laughs> So final question from Marcus Scott on Facebook. He asks, why doesn't uh, Major League Baseball schedule teams that play in bad weather areas to play on the road where they actually get games in early in April? So basically what he's asking is, why are the Indians hosting a home game in April? And my kind of unfounded theory is just a general idea. I think there's probably more, I don't know what to call it, good mojo and good hype generation and having your team have an opening day on actual opening day. So I'm guessing teams kind of fight for that and they want it. And I also think that schedules are just such weird, intricate things where it's almost like a big Jenga tower because you got to have travel dates and getting road trips. It would just be really hard just to set one team to say specifically every Southern team is going to get a home game at the start because there's so much more that goes into the schedule. That's what I think anyway. What about you? Uh, I think you're right. I think you know you, you, what, both things you hit on. I think teams prefer to be at home on actual opening day, uh, so no team – it's going to be happy, never opening at home. Uh, and I looked into this the other day. Uh, the Indians, as it is, have, have opened at home fewer than fewer times than just about any team in the last half century. Um, so 
even the way things have been, the Indians are, are on the road way more, almost twice as often as they're at home. Um, and I think, you know, like you said, there, there's a bigger pull for opening day if it's actual opening day. Um, so teams don't want to be in the road every year. The schedule is complicated. One thing I love is that only like three or four years ago did this stop until super recently, uh, the entire major league schedule, and this is true, was put together by this old married couple who for like really? decades <laughs> were responsible for making the major league schedule. And it was like their, you know, their, their project every year. Um, <laughs> And while I understand why they've changed it, because computers have to be able to do it much more quickly, um, I, I really love the fact that this married couple was doing this for a really long time. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like you said, you can't like, one, there's a lot of teams in places that have bad weather. Um, so it, I don't know that you that there are 15 clear venues that you could even use every year. Uh, and even if there are, a lot of them, you're going to get like weird matchups where, you know, teams that are only going to be playing each other, you know, twice all season. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I understand the the complaint, uh, but I think, you know, baseball has a long season, so there's not really any way to start the season later unless you want to be playing the World Series in November, which I don't. Uh, and I think... This is just going to happen sometimes. Uh, this year, the Indians have sort of been bitten by it worse than, you know, maybe any team with two postponements so quickly. Uh, but I think it's just the nature of things. I don't think there's a solution to it that would actually be a solution to it. Yep. <clears throat> I mean, it just makes sense. Or it sounds right to say, we'll just put them on the South, but it's just not that easy, I think, is the simple answer. American League, like in the AL Central... Uh, I mean, what are you looking at? The the, the Royals, Nobody. I guess, are like a semi-southern team. I would say they count. I don't know if they'd have snow, really, would they, in Kansas City? Uh, you know, out east, you've got the Yankees. No, you've got the Red Sox. No. Uh, the Blue Jays, because of their stadium, you can you can play up there. And Tampa the, the Bay, Rays. you can play down there. Baltimore, again, compared to Cleveland, I guess, is like semi-southern, but it's not really... Uh, you know, so really you're looking at starting everyone in the AL West. Uh, but again, you know, like you don't have half the American league playing in, you know, what you can count on to be good weather. Uh, and it's going to throw off the schedule for the whole year. If non AL West teams are all playing, you know, AL West teams or, you know, five of them are playing on the road against AL West teams. It's it's gonna yeah it's gonna throw a wrench in the season in the schedule for the rest of the season because that's gonna be like the only time those teams play in that stadium all year. Yeah. So you can't have like the long West Coast trip later. So you've got teams going you know on long road trips more frequently and yeah I it it is what it is and yeah it's a bummer when the weather gets in the way but that's just how it's gonna go. Yeah. If I would just use my weather machine to stop it, but. You won't. I'm, I'm a cool. terrible. I'm an overlord. I don't know. <laughs> if the needs would pay me enough, I would do it. But no, I'm not going to make it rain if I want to. Okay. So the very last thing is just our fan post question of the week. Uh, last week we asked to have scenarios of trade for Trout. We got a really good post. He had, I think it was nine James. He had a whole background on how the trade would have happened, and then he had actually pretty pretty reasonable trade, which I kind of liked. But this week the question is just your 2016 predictions. We've had a couple games, so you get to cheat a little bit by seeing what the Indians have done so far. But just give us 
it can be literally anything. Just prediction of one player, the whole... What do I want to say? The whole standings, everything, whatever you want it to be. We did ours. If you want to listen, I think that was last week, right? Or was it the week before? The last two weeks we've done predictions. It's different kinds. But yeah, that's all. I hope have... people uh, predict things as outlandish as your Jan Gomes getting cut. <laughs> I'm just going to continue <laughs> to exaggerate what you actually said. And <laughs> two weeks from now, I'm going to say that you were predicting that Jan Gomes would be caught up in some sort of crazy uh, underground fighting, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu thing and be suspended. That was He's going to be prediction. in that cage match with Brantley and Chisenhall. <laughs> <laughs> and then Gomes loses and then Roberto Perez starts forever. <laughs> okay, so that's all I have. What are you going to be up to the next week? Uh, just stuff. Work. <laughs> stuff. Uh, it's, it's The big state tests are going on for me at school, so I get to deal with those, which is fun. Uh, I don't know. Much going on. Yeah. Oh, I know one more thing I wanted to talk about. We need to draw a line in the sand here right now. I hope you didn't see the thread yet, but are you for or against the cream jerseys? Uh, I am for the cream jerseys. I just don't like the red hats. Well, this podcast has ended. I'm not going to talk to Jason anymore. It was nice <laughs> while it was around. <laughs> so you would like them with the blue hats? Yeah, I mean, I don't need them to wear them 81 times a year, but I would say in general, yeah, I'm, I'm good with the cream jerseys. Uh, I just hate the red hats. If they would wear the normal hats with them, um, I'd be, I, lo- I like them as like an alternate jersey. I just think the red hats are terrible, though. I just hate the color of the jersey, and I mean... I yeah, usually the color of the jersey does not bother me at all. I'm fine with the simplicity of them. Uh, the, the the color I think what did you call it looked like they were soaked in urine I don't I don't know that's not what I see when I look at them <laughs> they were soaked in urine and they rolled around in dirt a little bit that's what it looks like to me I hate them I don't know did you like <laughs> well, the it's good to have strong opinions <laughs> yeah, about things that matter very much did you like the look of the first couple games with the regular white jerseys with the red underneath yeah but in general like red is not the color I like to to see emphasized like as the undershirt i thought it was fine what i really like that i want to see a lot of this year are the striped socks yes yes those were nice so hopefully they they make those a regular thing yep okay so i got that top important topic out of the way that is all (laughs) i had (laughs) okay anything else i can't think of anything i you know with two games in uh Right now, we're just only happy to have games back. Uh, a week from now, we'll be able to say definitively if this is going to be a successful season or not. Absolutely. Okay. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. And we will talk more Indians next week with hopefully more games. <laughs> See you later.